Ooh. Are we rusty or are we good? Like, I feel like the, the time between recordings is getting bad just because we keep having vacations and lives and stuff. Well, you know, once it gets colder in our, in our area, we, we want to go warmer places. So I went down south and that so was you went nice. down to the Fire Nation and left me here in the uh, Ice Kingdom? In the, in the South Pole, yeah. Yep. In the North Pole. <laughs> but uh, yes, it was lovely. We're back. I mean, obviously the audience probably doesn't have any concept that it's been a, a week and a half, two weeks maybe since our last recording. Cause or that it's regular... winter because who knows when these will go up. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. At this rate, who knows when this, is, this one, when this one will be recorded. Exactly. When this one will be released. But this one is the one where we discuss episodes, sorry, chapters three and four of book two. That's correct. My very subtle segue into our episode. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'll read it. I'll read please, it. I'll read please, it. yes. The usual tradition. Uh, yeah, return to Omashu. <clears throat> please keep that in. Yes. Very important. <laughs> it was very it was very regal. <laughs> Aang and the crew are shocked to find Omashu captured by the Fire Nation. They sneak in and are caught by Fire Nation soldiers, but released when pox marks on Sokka create the illusion of an illness. They meet the resistance and allow the whole city to escape by creating a fake epidemic with the same pox marks. While they are leaving, the governor of Omashu's son, Tom Tom, accidentally leaves with the earthbenders who are willing to trade him for King Bumi. Elsewhere, Azula tracks down her old friends, Mai and Tai Lee, to help her capture Zuko and Iroh. Another long intro, but again, it kind of captures everything we need. I think they probably could have cut down on how much of the faking an illness was their way out. They could have just said, like, you know, snuck into the city and helped them escape. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know who wrote these. It's probably, it's a wiki, right? So I guess someone could edit this. And... Well, like I said, we know whoever wrote this is a huge fan of Jet from last time. Yes. Oh my god, the Jet one was practically <laughs> an episode of itself. <laughs> oh, it truly <laughs> it was. was. Really um, um, but this was good. Yeah. I actually really liked this episode because a lot got done. It was very plot-driven, but you sort of get a little bit an idea of the world-building again. Um, it accomplished a lot in a, in a short period of time. These episodes aren't particularly long. No, um, true. We get to go back to Amashu, which is cool. Um, we get the idea that Omashu is the was the second to last sort of great stronghold of the Earth Kingdom. Now that's fallen, and of course the big one is Bossing Say. That's still going, but it's looking grim. It's looking grim for the good guys. It's also really kind of cool to see. Like this is the first time we've really returned to a location to see it having been greatly affected by the story. Yeah, uh, I mean, um, like we know the Fire Nation's like taking over towns. We've never really seen a town get taken over. Now we get to yes. see a town that was once thriving and economic and, pardon the pun, booming, yeah. <laughs> uh, to then have it now occupied by the Fire Nation and being used by them and then having military control over the place. It's We don't get to see much of the village and the town and the people and the way of life while we're there, but it yeah. is kind of a nice bit of world building of like, hey, yeah, our characters develop and yeah, the world is growing, but even these small towns or giant cities are being affected, and here's a very visual representation of that. It does make me wonder if, like, so many of the Fire Nation forces were at the North Pole trying to conquer that, who was left to take over Omashu? Although, we learned that King Bumi actually surrendered before there was any real fighting that took place, so maybe they didn't need that many guys, or maybe it happened at different times. 
anyway, that's just me thinking too much about it. Um, and we will go better. a lot more into, I know the end of the episode kind of wraps up a bit more, but we're going to talk a bit more about the whole Boomy surrendering thing, so I think there's a lot of strategy in there. Well, Boomy's a really interesting character. He's one of those, like, weird, sort of doesn't-do-what-you-expect-him-to-do characters, and to the point where then you sort of expect the unexpected from him. Uh, well, yeah, we can get back to him later. We can go a little more chronologically in the episode. But pretty much Aang wants to find Boomy. Uh, he won't accept the fact that... Boomy might not be around. As yeah, that's, a, that's, that's kind of like a, a weirdly dark way of putting it for a show that, again, has dabbled in the death, but has still been very like light on the subject. I um, think it's one of those things that it's sort of implied. You know, the Fire Nation isn't exactly known for being merciful. Yeah. And obviously, Boomy is the king. You make a state, or, or he's the king of Omashu. You make a statement. How do you make a statement and get Omashu to sort of break down? Well... You take out you take out the monarch. Yeah. So uh, we're all thinking it, uh, except no, for Aang, like, obviously. There's even a moment too, like again being the it's been I think I watched this roughly when it aired, so maybe like almost like six seven years now. I actually remember like, do we see Boomy again? Is he gone? Like what do we? I forgot completely. Oh, we see him again. Oh yeah, no, I I, I we see him in about twenty minutes. But that's true. <laughs> uh, I just mean in like in this at this moment, I couldn't remember if this was the finale for him or not. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Can we take a moment and talk? So I mean, like I know we kind of glaze over some of the more silly bits here and there, but there's a silly bit in this episode. I think we need to just focus on, and that is them going through the. Uh, this is me, air quotes or airbender quote uh, as a bad pun. Uh, going through the secret entrance, which is secretly just the sewer system. Yeah. We see how they both. Two out of three of them find a way through the sewer system without getting totally disgustingly covered in what we assume is sewage. Sewage, let's yeah. Be, let's be polite. I imagine that's what it is. Like, they couldn't have worked together and kept Sokka clean, too? Like, they had to let him get covered in literal shit? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, a comic relief. I know, that's... but I'm just... Like, comic relief is comic relief. Yeah, but like, sure. Hey, we're gonna go through the sewer... All water bend a path for us so all three of us can be safe and dry and not covered in poop when we get into this town. No, no, no. I'm going to slosh it over my shoulder knowing you're there. Like, I get it's the comic relief bit, but usually I can be like, ah, oh, disbelief. But this is like, okay, that's just mean, guys. Come on. Yeah, that was a little, uh, not very nice, but, uh, it does actually lead to the whole Pentapox, Pentapus thing, where Sokka gets them true. attached to him, and then they get the idea of the epidemic, but. Uh, what is more interesting to me is we get a bit more of Azula, and much like much like Zuko did, sort of abandoning his big team, his big procession, he more well. I mean, he got that taken from him, but yeah. he Azula also decides to sort of go off and just get a a small group of experts to go with her to track both her brother and uncle, and then later on we she also turns her attention to to Aang, the Avatar. I'm also going to just say at this point, I got to say some really great use of limitations. Um, so again, as we've always sort of pointed out how much they have to fit into these small episodes, writing in that one of the two partners she was looking for was in the same town, that kind of they were able to converge the two stories in one location naturally. Yeah. I think is just a lot, a really brilliant bit of writing. Like I think people be like, oh, what a happy coincidence. Like, no, no. She was going there anyways to meet this person and convince her to come hunt her brother and then happens to encounter the Avatar, who she's now decided, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take him too. 
Yeah, I think this is the first time Aang and Aang and them uh, encounter Azula at all. I think previously it was Jasuko who uh, who had a run in with her up until up until this point. Mm-hmm. So important moment because obviously Azula becomes a much more prominent figure as uh, as the rest of the show wears on. Um, interesting her interaction with Tai Lee. Uh, who initially doesn't want to join her is content mm-hmm. in the Being circus. Her circus trapeze and it's interesting that right away we haven't even seen what happens yet. But Azula's like, "I'm going to watch your show. I'm going to sit and watch." She already like, is uncomfortable with that. Yeah, Tyler's already like, happened yet." I feel like it kind of helps paint a relationship of like Azula always got what she wanted, and when she didn't, she made it her way. Like she took charge if she wasn't given charge. So yeah. I think Tylee goes, "Ah." You're staying because you're going to do something that's going to convince me to come with you. So, almost like daring her and then doing her performance because she's a performer. And then Azula being like, a lighted on fire. Release your animals. Just basically torture your friend or, I mean, I guess it's like school friend the way you kind of like were bullies together probably. But the end result is, yeah, I, I like the way she puts it to, um, to, is it Mai the last one? Yeah. The way she puts the Mai is, I thought you were following your calling and joining the circus. Yes, but Azula called louder. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I think that is like the most amazing description of Azula as a character, is she was louder and said me first. Pretty much. It, it, we also do get a little insight into both of those characters, right? Tylee is optimistic. She never sort of, you know, she'll, she'll flinch a little bit, but she's always like, oh, you know, I got a sign that uh, I should come with you. and. Mm-hmm. Never really like, oh, what the hell? Why did you do that? It's just, oh, you know, it is what it is. And Maya is more on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Just, I'm bored. I need some excitement. Oh, here's this random fight. My my little brother has been kidnapped. This is exciting. I'm cool with this. I'm not distressed at all. Yeah, screw the trade. We're just going to fight you and take him back. Like, risk your little brother because you'd rather have the fight and the adventure. I think, again, paints a pretty good image of who she is. Uh, to jump yeah. forward a little bit, we also have a comment at the end where Azula mentions that their goal is to go after Zuko, and I think essentially alludes that Mai and Zuko may have at one point dated. Yes. And I get the vibe that Mai was probably an abusive girlfriend. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, like, I, I, think... I, I just get that picture of, like, he's too macho to say my girlfriend is mean to me, so she can get away with being really mean to him and verbally and mentally abusive and she probably really gets off on being like in charge and mean like i'd say a really scary bully vibe from her maybe i mean there's definitely hinting that they've at least had some chemistry Mm -hmm. previously and obviously they're not going to throw that line in there like i i know what happens i know how it ends up but you're not throwing that line out there if it isn't revisited at some point in the future yeah you know, expect some Maizuko action to come your way soon enough. Yeah. Uh, so again, leading up to a lot of this, I, I need to point out another one of the classic TV tropes they do abuse in this episode. When yeah. Mai literally says, nothing ever happens. Insert a thing happening. Yeah. Uh, they do that a good amount. Usually it's Sokka who's the one who says, like, yeah. oh, nothing's wrong. And then something goes wrong. Yeah, so, so it's nice I've seeing a different of... character for once. It is. Um, speaking of Sokka, he's the, I think he's the one who orchestrates the, uh, 
sort of the change of plans because obviously Aang and them meet the resistance. They wanted to sort of fight to the death. They're pretty unhappy with King Boomy. They don't really understand why he retreated, why he surrendered right away, which surprises Aang. But the idea is that instead of fighting back, the idea is live to fight another day, protect your people, don't don't go into what is essentially a suicide mission. And I gotta say, I, I wrote this down as well, I understand why these people who've probably been fighting for the last several weeks are happy to just find a way out. Yeah. But I feel like they were swayed, like, for as much passion as they had, they were like, I can't believe Boomy just surrendered. Oh, we're so mad. We need to fight. This is our land. We have to save it. Why don't we just surrender? That's a great idea. Let's go. It would just seem yeah. really, like, I feel like any other character we've encountered so far who's been like, I have a hard-set goal of doing this offensive thing has been the most hard-headed character we've ever met. And here it's like two of them go, you know, put it down to leave. And the third one's like, yeah, I guess. Like, I'm okay yeah. with it, but it, I think it came out of nowhere. It's a little weird. It does tie in, and I'm jumping ahead towards the end of the episode because Aang eventually does find Boomy. We, we realize he's alive, mm-hmm. but Boomy doesn't want to leave. So it ties into the sort of, the, was it, neutral... Uh, neutral Jin. Neutral Jin. That's the, I kept thinking Chi. I know it's not Chi. Neutral Jin, where it's wait, find the time to strike. And then Boomy also mentions it's a very strong quality of an earthbender. So obviously they are a bunch of earthbenders. Yeah. So it's, you know, execute your neutral Jin. Don't attack right now. Wait, lay low. And when the time is right, that's when you strike and take back your city. So it, it sort of almost comes back. And then we start to sit, sort of start to see, okay, Boomy, still a little mad, but has a point. Yeah, like I want to point out kind of this is what I was referring to earlier was when he explains his, his act to do nothing is is a strategic move. It does make sense. Like you said, had they had a full on offense or defense, more troops would have showed up and swarmed the town. More people would have been lost to it. And I guess when you know you're outnumbered, why have more people? Why throw more of your men away knowing that just more will keep coming in for every one that you lose? and kill one of theirs, three more are popping up. The strategic thing was to do nothing, let them take the town peacefully, saving as many lives as possible, only amassing a small group there, not a huge military over- a coup, but just yeah. enough to maintain the peace, thus giving them an easier way to fight back when they're ready to. Like, very, very smart. I guarantee you, had they fought back, that place would be swarming with more guards. There'd be a much heavier military presence. It wouldn't be like this... What, who, who I've listed as idiot parents of Maya along with idiot baby, they oh probably would have, like, a general there who's much more militaristic ruling this place versus the dum-dum family and yeah. the evil, scary daughter. Yeah. Um, and we'd learn Boomy could have earthbended all along, even in his cage. Uh, <laughs> they didn't so. cover my face. <laughs> I, I like the line. It's when he's telling Aang about the gins. Oh, there's another gin. There's neutral gin. Oh, so there's three gins. Well, actually, there's 85, but let's focus. Yeah, like, it's like, I want to know the other 82. <laughs> Seriously, there can't be that many. But like, uh, I, don't think we, I don't think we hear much more about gin. No, I think it's a one-time uh, thing, and it's more of like a... I think, a little I think throwaway joke. Yeah. But, it, but it, it does kind of prove the point you're right, that Boomy still, despite being the zany one, is still, at heart, really, really smart. And really yeah. has a crazy but good head on his shoulders and what he does tell to Aang of like you will find the right person, someone who waits someone who listens 
I mean, come on, on the nose. Yeah, I, I picked up on that. Well, I'm sure everyone, it's meant to be picked up on, but uh, yeah. yeah, waits and listens. Hint, hint. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, obviously, if you're watching the show for the first time, maybe you don't catch the foreshadowing, but rewatching, obviously, there yeah. is major foreshadowing. And obviously, it leads into the next episode where there's more foreshadowing. It's not really foreshadowing if they sort of beat you over the head with it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a lead up. Um, uh, and yeah, Ang returns the baby at the end. I, yeah. I didn't really have much interest in the whole baby lost storyline, but I understand that it was there to sort of get to Boomy and to understand Boomy's point and perspective. And, you know, Boomy's being pretty damn brave, sort of taking ones like, if they focus on me, then everyone else can sort of be safe. Uh, yeah, if they think they the have me. One, so they think they've done their winning. Exactly. If they think they have me in captivity, they don't feel as threatened by everyone else. Precisely. So I do have three more notes on this episode. Uh, yep. I wanted to go back a little bit was... Uh, oh, what did I have? I, so I just, I just want to share uh, two moments during the fight scene where we first see Azula and her new evil, as I put, fiery death woman crew uh, to work. Yeah. Um, one... Really nice badass line from Sokka when, uh, after uh, Ty Lee shows off her ridiculously amazing ability. Yes, the chi blocking. Yeah, Very which, cool. I like that they show and don't really explain, but kind of give this moment of like, wait, what just happened? Why can't she bend anymore? I think um, it's meant to originally be like a, what, what's going on? I think they do explain it. Oh no, I, I'm, I'm fairly, fairly sure they do explain it. I think even in the next series in Korra, they reference Ty Lee in reference to uh, blocking someone's chi and taking away their bending. Yeah, it definitely comes back. And it's a good way to show, you know, obviously Mai has, like, the knives out of everywhere. But at first, yeah. Ty Lee, you're like, okay, she doesn't bend. She's a circus performer. What's Why is she, she so highly sought after by Azula besides maybe them being friends? And then, oh, that's why. She, yeah. she can neutralize your bending. And then, yeah, you have Sokka with the line, like, oh, I've, I've done pretty well with that. Yeah, I've done pretty well with that also. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, Queen yeah. Anne also, that makes a good point, though. She isn't a firebender. Why did she go to firebending school for girls with Azula? Uh, I believe it's referenced that she is the daughter of a of a Fire Nation nobleman. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah, so I mean, I don't think you have to be a firebender to go to the Fire Nation school for girls. I think but I think, that, But I believe Azula even says it is a firebending school for girls. Like, it's not oh, even like... Like, she blatantly says it's firebending school. I'll have to rewatch it. Someone, yeah, someone, who, someone who's listening right now, you, please, uh, please give us a correction if, uh, if we're wrong here. Uh, I, don't, I didn't pick up on it one way or another. As far as I understand, it was like sort of a, a boarding school or a, or a private school for, for people of the upper class. Like oh, yeah, no, I mean, that's not the one it's intended to be. I just like that she specifies firebending to I, my recollection. I don't Seems remember. Seems like a really weird... Obviously not, I guess... If Mai and Ty Lee both went there, yeah, I guess. Presumably. But I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, I, I know we get more into it later on, especially with the first major villain in Korra, but the idea of taking yes. away someone's bending is just such an interesting concept because in any other traditional form of combat, disarmament is such a standard practice. Like, yeah. there are literally weapons, a lot of Japanese weaponry, a lot of, uh, like, Picture the Ninja Turtles, Raphael, his little um, knives he uses there, whatever they're called again. I mean, even Jet, right? His little hook, uh, his hook swords, yeah. that is meant to disarm. They are, they are so, weapons meant for disarming. They are partially defensive weapons. 
Yeah. So to think that you can do this to a bender and really cripple their fighting abilities is insane, and I love it. Well, major spoilers, uh, <laughs> it does come back later in, in this series as well, not just mm -hmm. in Korra. No, no, for sure. So, I, I won't go into... Sorry, it activated my Siri on my phone. Oops. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> does Siri want to add anything to the conversation? Siri has nothing to add at the moment. I have shut her up. There you go. Um, um, but yeah, do you no, have anything I, else I, for this I, episode? No, I, I feel like I had something else, and it's maybe I'll come back to me later. But uh, that's all right. This is a, I, I like this one. It's a, this is a really good episode. I love the characters we are introduced to. I love the going back to an old location. I love. Uh, oh, the one that I didn't. Go, I want to go back to was the idea that even knowing what he was doing, Aang actively took an action to save a Fire Nation. Like, once again, here is someone in peril and Aang is saving them because saving them is the right thing. And it yeah. never crosses his mind that, oh, those are the Fire Nation people who are ruling this land, and if we took care of them, this whole place would be saved and I'd be a hero. Uh, no, he saves them because he's Aang. And the Avatar. And I like that. Um, Aang is very wise beyond his years. Yes, I know he's technically 112, but I think he already has the understanding that the Avatar's job... Yes, you have to sort of lay down the law when necessary, but Aang, both being an air nomad and the Avatar, and this becomes a major struggle for him later on, is can I fulfill my duties, bring mm -hmm. balance back to the world without actively hurting, killing, destroying? And it's a major point of contention for him throughout the show. Uh, right up until the very end, honestly. Yeah, and it's a... It's a it's a path that's been explored in many franchises, the idea of when when can you kill somebody and not be a bad guy yourself? Like, when is killing somebody the right move? Yeah. Some things don't really, you know, whatever, like, the bad guys get killed because bad guys are bad guys, but there's always those things where it's like, you want me to kill another human being because they have views that are different than mine. Yes, killing them would be the karmically good move but it still means i have to end someone's life yeah. is a very interesting interesting subject to breach and again putting into a show that is very not often you see it in a yeah. children's show that, it, that's, precisely yeah. i think is the words i'm trying to get there all right shall we move on yes okay book two episode four sorry chapter four the swamp Mm -hmm. while flying over a swamp ang katara Sokka, and appa become separated by a tornado after landing in the swamp, Appa and Momo are captured. Meanwhile, Sokka sees visions of Princess Yue, Katara sees visions of her mother, and Aang sees visions of an unknown girl. Elsewhere, Zuko and Iroh seek money from local villagers. I completely forgot about the Zuko and Iroh bit, except for it's my sorry. last note. <laughs> it's just the beginning and the end. Um, I, I will start off by saying one thing. I wasn't as crazy about this episode. I think because I prefer the episodes where there are two different plots. There's Aang's plot, there's Zuko's plot, and maybe there's Azula's plot now also. This yeah. one really, besides the beginning and end for like a total of maybe two minutes, it was all in the swamp, and it sort of exhausted me a little bit after a while. I'm like, oh, the swamp, the swamp, the swamp. But yeah. I understand the purpose of it. The swamp, I, I understand the purpose of this episode. Um, yeah, I mean, the episode definitely contains a purpose, and it does help grow some of the ideas of, like, the spirituality of the world that we live in and help build the world, which, again, we've done a lot of. But, I mean, it's no great divide, but it's no... It's a filler episode. It's very heavily a filler episode. 
with the slight exception of uh, the vision that Aang has, the girl in Leaf Swamp. Yeah, I do think there's a a little bit to say about sort of the environmentalist all connectiveness part of it that they get into. Yeah, I think it fuels the idea that oh, you know, we're all humans, we're all trees in the same swamp, we're all sort of together, and it fuels maybe the idea. The Fire Lord, he's a bad person, he's bad, he's bad, but he's still a human. Mm-hmm. It's not overtly said, but I think it sort of lends more to it. But yes, I think the main, there's two main things in the episode for me, actually. One is the vision that Aang sees, which is a little girl with a flying pig. Uh, we obviously find out her identity soon enough. Um, the other part, and I won't get into it right now, Actually, I'm just not going to talk about the other thing that I really took away from this episode just yet because okay. it happens towards the end. Um, I think for me, I just don't find the Swamp Benders particularly interesting. I think um, they're a good comic relief character, yeah. but being like the driving point of the episode was too much. Like, I do kind of love the idea that there are waterbenders out there that we don't know about because that opens up the idea of like, are there airbenders we didn't know about? Are there other types of firebenders out there we don't know about. Like, yeah, we've always been told that there's the Air Nomads, the North and South Temple, uh, or East and West Temple? There's, I think there's all four. East, West, North, and South. Okay. Mistaken. Uh, and then we have the two water tribes, the Northern and Southern. We never really consider, are there waterbenders who are not, like, we meet a few other waterbenders, but a lot of them, I believe, we can infer yeah. come from one of the two, na- the two poles. But here are a bunch of waterbenders who have never known outside waterbenders, and I think look really goofy when they're sailing. <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think, I guess, yeah, to that, to that point, it's also interesting to see waterbending, and bending in general, like, up until now, if I'm not mistaken, we saw just airbenders can bend air, firebenders fire, waterbenders water, earthbenders earth. This is the first time we really see a Hugh, I think his name is, the guy with the big swamp monster. Yeah. He's bending the water cool within the vines. Yeah, he's bending the water within the vines to make the vines move. Mm-hmm. And we start seeing there's other other types of sort of hybrid bending almost. We meet uh, we meet sandbenders eventually. Uh um, yeah, into too many Yeah, lightning. Well, like oh, that's true. Lightning we did see uh, yeah. already. And even just like water bending with ice, I mean it's obvious. Uh in the previous episode we see Aang using his breath to water bend uh, into ice to try to break the uh, chains. Sure, firebenders will also use their breath, mm-hmm. and of course, there's blood bending, which oh, we're oh. not there yet. But it's coming, <laughs> and I'm like, I I honestly want to see what episode it pairs up with because if it works out well that like we can do a single episode on blood bending, I might let us do it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Anyway, just to say that it's interesting to see bending used in different ways other than just directly influencing the elements that they have control over. Yeah. Uh, can I also share my favorite stupid one-liner of the episode? Of course. Sokka, you have an elbow leech. Where? Where do you think? <laughs> what? That's true. Is, the, is it actually called an elbow leech, or is she just referring to the leech on his elbow? Like, it just... Oh, stupid we, for we stupid sake. I love it. Um trying to think yeah i don't have a whole lot of notes but i guess the idea of Sokka like slashing at the branches and the vines yeah like continuously nature. It, yeah there's definitely some un- environmental 
overtones. Like the swamp is a living thing. The swamp feels alive. It's all connected. It's all... I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't as crazy. I wouldn't go as far as to call it a filler episode, but it's not one of my favorites. And I knew it was coming. I didn't realize it was coming so early in the season, but I guess it's before we meet the little girl with the flying pig. Um, yeah, I feel so like I guess I, it has I to come com- somewhat early. Like I, I kind of go back and think about episodes. Like when I look at the episodes we're watching, like I'm gonna go look at the next two episodes some point this week, and I try to remember like how much can I recall of these episodes. I did not remember the swamp at all. Like watching it, I remembered the hillbilly waterbenders. I remembered the tree vine creature monster, but yeah. like I could not have told you who their visions were of or how they wound up in the swamp or why they were in the swamp. Like all of that was a total <clears throat> to me. Yeah. Like again, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just doesn't feel like a whole lot actually happens. Like, okay, Katara sees her mom, Sokka sees Yue, like, alright, cool. You guys still are struggling with those people being gone. I get it. It's, just, you know, the swamp is playing mind games. And then sort of the ending where it's like, oh, I didn't make the tornado. Swamp must have done it. This, I don't know. It, and then, like, the with the screaming bird. for you. Ooh. Yeah. And then with the screaming bird and the swamp, like, whacking it away, it's like, okay, so the swamp can just move on its own, or I don't know. It just didn't feel finished. It didn't feel fully it, realized. I, I think, and uh, as you were explaining it earlier, I kind of had the thought occur to me. I feel like there were a lot of little things I enjoy from this episode, like really little. Like I, lo- like I said, like learning about Bender's new areas, getting a bit of this like moral: the world is all one thing. The way this tree is one swamp, like kind of those little lessons. I feel yeah. like didn't need their whole episode they could have been in another story and i would have been very happy like we could have had another episode with a whole other storyline and it should have just happened to be in a village near a swamp that had waterbenders who didn't know other waterbenders and the moral the same way we had the episode with the uh the spirit that was attacking the village that ended up being the sad panda even add a little bit like break it up a little bit i don't think they needed this much time in the swamp there could have been a good like b plot with zuko getting angry at iroh for what he feels is demeaning himself like there's Mm -hmm. that whole thing where zuko still isn't accepting of the fact that he's a refugee he's sort of he can't just be handed things anymore he's not a nobleman he's he's a fugitive i don't know there could have been some good didn't need to be super action-packed but there could have been some good character development there yeah. Uh, for me, the other thing that was interesting is when Zuko does attack that guy who gave Iroh a hard time, he does it as the Blue Spirit. Yeah, kind of the revival of this Blue Spirit character that he's built for himself, which I guess opens the door for him to be a little more present in the story because he's hiding behind this mask. He can go into a village, commit some crimes against the Fire Nation, which he feels he deserves, and come away, you know, maybe as a local hero or like folklore legend. That's it. and. You know, we hadn't seen Zuko at all last episode, so when the episode opened with him and Iroh, you're thinking, okay, cool, we're gonna get to see what they're off to, how they're doing, and I don't know, you see it for two minutes, and then we're in the swamp the rest of the time. I don't know, this isn't a bad episode. Like, I, I, I still contend there's no bad episodes of Except of The Great Divide. Show. Um... <laughs> Even The Great Divide has its... Like, compared to episodes of television in general, it's not bad. I guess, yes. This is one of my lesser 
favorite episodes. Like, I feel like if I had to rank all the episodes we've seen so far, this would be the one I would put right before The Great Divide in the big list. I don't know if I'd put it right before, but it's it's closer to the bottom than the top. I'd say that. Like, I can't can't think, again, like, Great Divide aside, I can't think of another episode that I was less enthralled with than this one. Yeah, and I think it's just, I think I'd be more enthralled if I spent less time in the swamp. Yeah. We spent the whole episode in the swamp, and I just, it's a bottle episode, practically. You're spending the whole episode in the same scene, in the same sort of setting. I don't know. It, is it weird to say you get, like, just tired of it, even in a 20-minute episode? Well, in a show that's been so good at, like, telling stories and giving us these big worlds and giving us more to see and look at and more to capture our attention and be interested in to just have this much time droning on like even um the episode of we did a was it last recording the episode with the the tunnel of the love cave tunnel of love yes like yeah the majority of the episode takes place in the tunnel of love but we get this cool like narration of like way back when in the origin we get to meet the creatures that invented earthbending we get to Omashu. We get to be, you know, in the woods meeting these travelers as they're in the water bathing and, like, water bending. Like, we get maybe, like, 60% of the episode is in the tunnels, but the other 40% makes the rest of it bearable and enjoyable versus this episode, which is, like, 99% in the swamp, and we don't really get any lovable characters to kind of meld with. That's it. And we do get more Zuko and Iroh cutaways in, in that uh, previous episode. Oh, yeah, episode. we totally do, yeah. I like the side characters better. The nomads are really fun. Uh, there's, some, <laughs> there's some music. Um, I don't want to harp too much on on this episode. It's like I said, it's not the, you know, it's not a terrible episode of television. But again, it just feels incomplete. Okay, the swamp brought you down. It brought you into the swamp to see some visions and to learn that the world is connected. Okay, that's it. That that's the big lesson, and then it just lets you go. It's like, okay, you've learned your 30-second lesson that Aang probably as an air nomad already felt within him. Like he probably already knew it. You yeah. already probably already believed that, that we're all people and we're all I don't know. Hey, it just... You know that thing you believe in because you're an air nomad and you have a great understanding of the world around you? Uh-huh. I'm reinforcing it. I am a tree. Have a great day. It just feels a Thanks. little half-baked. The the whole yeah. episode feels a little half-baked. Maybe Maybe the show writers needed a couple extra episodes, and so it's like, okay, we'll, we'll do this. Yeah, this could easily Again, have been I guess... one of those uh, seasons done, ready to go, ship it off, and they go, hey, we need three more episodes, and they go, oh, crap, let's write three more episodes, and they got one or two good ones, and one not so good one. Yeah, I guess the Toph thing is there. It's important, because it does come up when he does meet, when Aang does meet Toph. He's like, I saw you, I saw you in a vision. Yeah, I totally do not remember him seeing her in a vision and even watching it i didn't realize it was her if like the first like like, i think i assumed it was her now but like i legit at the time was like weird flying thing and little girl giggling like i don't know who this is supposed to be am i and then like the way they make it sound like okay so it's supposed to be tough i guess like i even like i went i i've been doing imdb checks once in a while to see if i recognize any of the cast for any of the episodes and this episode does list the voice actress for tough because obviously the giggling is her and yeah. I'm just like, she was in this episode? <laughs> like, and it wasn't until this conversation I'm like, oh yeah, she was probably the little girl in the forest. Swamp, whatever. Yeah. It's weird. Whenever I 
like on Reddit or, or just on the internet, you you hear people listing their least favorite episodes. Obviously, The Great Divide is up there, but you get a couple others. I don't see this one come up unless huh. I'm misremembering. But you know what you know, it might be? I think it's so forgettable that maybe. it doesn't even register as being bad. Like The Great Divide, everyone goes, "Oh, what a long, boring episode!" With oh, what like you? There's there's what to gripe about. Yeah, but nobody remembers the episode that was just like. Oh yeah, that episode. I forgot yeah, about it. It's just so unremarkable, I guess. It's, it's like, like people who talk about this like, use it the Simpsons. People talk about all oh, the golden years, seasons like four through eight, and like all oh, the new stuff, like the season eighteen and oh, oh they're terrible. I'm like, what about the seasons in the middle? You just you just ignore seasons nine through like thirteen. Like what are it's those? Like, eh. Are those just we don't okay, we don't care, we don't talk about those? Yeah. I mean, okay. I think we've spent enough time uh Harping on the episode. It has its value. <laughs> I just think it could have been... Uh, I like the long we spent harping on it. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think we can move past it. Uh, again, kind of a recap of where we are worldwise. I I feel like we're kind of at a point now where the characters are wandering. They don't really have a... They know where they need to go. They know they need to go to Bossing State to find an Earthbender for uh, Aang. But I feel like they're they're kind of directionless. We're kind of waiting for the next big something to pull them in, the next big adventure to start. Because right now That's it's true. sort of it's been hopping around trying to find the adventure, and it just keeps sort of being like, "Uh oh, here's a barrier to entry." Uh oh, here's a thing you didn't expect, which is not bad. But I'm kind of looking forward to them to have, you know, the next encounter with Azula, where she can really make her intentions known about the Avatar and her brother. Uh, the next time Zuko, now that he's an outcast, meets the gang and gets to interact with them not being a member of the Fire Nation anymore. Like, I'm excited for those interactions we haven't gotten yet. That's it. Like, obviously now we know Aang can't have Boomy as his earthbending master, so he needs another one, but they don't really know where to look. So I guess that's sort of a glimpse. And I don't even think it's referenced that, oh, this little girl is going to be your airbending instructor. Uh, sorry, your airbending. Your earthbending instructor. Uh, but I don't know, I guess it plants that seed. I don't know. It, it's okay. This episode's okay, but it's just okay. It's a hard okay. Very it's like, hard. It's, it's a, not even, like, memorably bad or memorably good. It's just a hard, it's an episode. Yeah, I'm happy it's done. I'm happy we're done with it. I'm happy we're moving on. I love how much trouble we're having with this. Sorry, I'm loving this. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, if any of our listeners maybe want to come and, and respond and say, like, hey, this is the actual value that I find in this episode please go ahead like or maybe it's worse than we think it is tell us that too <laughs> maybe so this just i don't know this is a not a remarkable episode for me uh i understand that there's parts of it that are important and i understand the message they were going for it just i don't know i feel like this could have been split up a bit more this didn't need to be a whole episode in itself yeah or they could have split up with some zuko and iro development zuko dealing with his fugitive status, which I guess comes a bit later. Yeah, and I guess technically we kind of do get a split storyline. The other half of the story is just Momo and Appa, which yeah. as lovable as they are, them lost in a swamp being chased by hillbillies isn't a story, in my opinion. There's some cute moments between them that are kind yeah. of funny, but yeah, it's it's not a subplot. It's, it's At least to me, it's not a subplot. It's, it's, it's that would have been a background joke once, maybe twice in another episode, not yeah. a not a B plot. It would have um, been a C plot, maybe if, if not we had. Even, but yeah, maybe, yeah. Anyway, 
Anyways, our little earbenders. This brings yes. us to the end of this episode. Very Sorry happy we were so negative. We're... We do love the show. <laughs> we do we do love the show. And again, if we can just go back to the previous episode for a second, that is a beautiful episode. That I is love a well that episode. episode. I want nothing more than to watch the that Azula and her gang of evil girls just do more evil because I love them. Yes. And I'm excited for characters. More of them. Strong female villains. We need more strong female villains, man. Yeah, they're looking pretty badass right mm-hmm. now. But we love the show, just not crazy about this episode. And that's yeah. okay. That's it. And Tylee's my waifu, calling it now. Sorry, she's mine. Okay, okay. I'm claiming her. You can't have her. Alright. Well, I, I guess I have to I have no choice but to accept that. Yup. You can pick your you can pick your waifu from anyone else. I'll I'll leave the door open for you when you're ready to get there. I'll have to I'll have to think about that and get <laughs> back to you. <laughs> I'm intrigued to find out which which of the ladies of the show or men of the show. I'm not I'm not gendering your waifu. Um, Thank you. Or creature or spirit, whatever you fall for. I'm curious <laughs> to know where, you, where your heart lies in this one. But uh, we'll call it a, we'll call it a night here. Yes. We'll let you get back to your evenings and our evenings and get ready for the next episode of viewing and recording. Or wherever and whenever you may be. Yes, maybe you've just woken up and are getting ready for work on a nice, lovely day, in which case I wave my fist at you for not being able to do that myself. True. Stupid cold weather. We come off the next two days. Uh, all right. You can find us on Twitter. Yes. Uh, at, at Ryan W for me. And at Boxless Thoughts. Yeah, I meandered a lot at the end of this episode. I'm sorry. I usually aim a lot better. <laughs> it's okay. I think we usually have a time that we try and get to, but just did not have a lot of material. Eh, it happens. That's okay. But there's always more material on our Twitters, which we just mentioned, where you can find us. Um, we virtually never talk about at this point. We never talk about Avatar on our Twitters, but you can always reach out to us and say, "Hey, your comments. I'm a big fan of the swamp, and I take major offense to what you have said. I challenge you to a duel." <laughs> Hashtag do swamp it. duels. Hashtag swamp duels. Do it. Hashtag swamp duels. There we go. Um, no, again, I, 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 again, I would love to be, hear. This is going to be so arguments. far removed. We're going to forget why people are hashtagging swamp duels. But I will love. To, I would love to hear an argument in favor of the swamp being a good episode. Like, please, uh, even yeah, if you have a great divide argument, bring it, bring it on. Like, oh yes, I love the show. I love talking about it. So just tell me, tell me how you feel. Yes, please, please, please. Well, I think the, I think the biggest harm we have for each other is we both enjoy a lot of the same stuff, so we have hard yeah. times disagreeing, which makes it too easy sometimes. So being forced yeah. to disagree, even for the third party we don't know. I think would make great conversation for us to discuss on the show or through just you and I or you and whoever you are. It's one but, of the uh, small downsides of being good friends for the past seven, eight years, something like that. We've known each other almost a decade, man. That's cool. Yeah. Anyways, anyway. to our fans and our listeners, have a wonderful whatever time of day it is you are. Indeed. 